Hello and welcome back to the Scottish Games Network YouTube YouTube channel. What am I on? Like last week, you know, again, I'm gonna have to put together a blooper reel at some point. Like that's inevitable. Hello and welcome back to the Scottish Games Network podcast, not YouTube channel. And as always, we're your hosts. I'm Ryan. I'm Brian. And I'm Andrew. I should probably preface you know, or by saying, oh, you can be watching on YouTube. You might be on the YouTube channel. It's just that I completely fluffed the intro the first time round. So now I'm going to have to leave it in because I mentioned it and I, you know, people won't know what's going on otherwise. But anyway, let's move swiftly on and forget that I made a mistake because, you know, I'm a flawless presenter and just really, really good at my job, obviously. So guys, what have you been up to this week? Ryan, do you want to go first? No, no, no. I was going to, I was going to let you. It's like go nuts. Ah, I, okay. All I have done this week is is Zoom calls. So you know, that, that that's not exactly gripping. <laughs> I mean, I've done a fair bit of that as well. Definitely not as much as you. Um, but uh, in the spirit of communicating with people online, actually, I did a bit of um, at the weekend. Steam had a promotion for remote play together games. Have either of you guys tried remote play together? I can't say I have. Do you know? No, not I. Do you know how it works? Maybe I should explain I, it. I think it's like I was going to say, isn't it like past the pad, but over over the internet? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really cool. It's um, basically one person is streaming the game to whoever else you invite to it, and then you can kind of you know bind the keys in such a way that everyone can control an aspect of a game or something. You can basically do like couch co-op but only one person needs to own the game and they can stream it to everyone else. And it, it works, like it works really well for the most part. The, the way that they've, they've done it with Steam is that it's not, it's not an automatic thing. The developers have to kind of uh, integrate it themselves. So you kind of mileage varies from game to game. But um, for the most part, like I was, you know, it's so nuts that we've gone from like, you know, 10 years ago when like on life was being announced and it was this like huge thing and it ended up not really going anywhere. But, you know, people have been like playing Assassin's Creed on a server the thousands of miles away, like it's never going to work. And like now you can just casually like play a game, the same game with your mate over Steam and it just works fine. It's like really, really cool. But um, the, the my probably my favorite game of those ones that we played together, there's this game called Unspottable. Either of you heard of Unspottable before? I have not. Yeah, right. I, Fill I've us never in. heard of it either. Can't say I have, no. Okay, so I, I had never come across it either. You have a screen full of similar, like exactly the same copy characters, and they're doing some kind of routine. And you and the other people playing are also one of these characters. And you have to basically try and blend in with the crowd and not kind of show yourself up. You're trying to find the other people, the other players, and punch them. If you punch the right one, then, you know, you knock them out and it's basically the last person left. But there's all sorts of kind of tasks that you have to do in each level that might give you away. Like, you know, there might be um, in one level, you're it's in like a supermarket and you have to buy three items and leave. And if you're the first person to buy three items and leave, you get the most amount of points. But obviously, if you see someone sneakily like going up to one of the aisles and looking a bit suspicious and you're like that's got to be that's got to be uh one of my friends but the hilarious thing about it is that because you all look the same obviously you don't get any indication of which one you are when the round starts so you just spend like a good like 
20 seconds if you're lucky at the start of the round basically just pushing buttons like randomly trying to find out which character you are you know you might it might be like someone to the left of the map just like constantly walking into the wall so that's kind of your like tip off that that's actually probably a human and not uh one of these like computer controlled clones a lot of fun bizarre game i really recommend it so if you want to try something on steam remote play and you're fed up of uh the usual stuff like um, Among Us. If you want a new party game, that would be the one I would recommend. Nice. Unspotable. It reminds me, like the central mechanic reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you guys ever played uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, I think it was, the the online mode yeah. for that. The idea that you were like an assassin. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it was identical assassins and you had to work out who was who was the human control character, uh, the human control player and um, sort of hunt down a specific target it's a wee bit like that but less murdery but yep. it sounds of things i mean it's, it's a little bit murdery <laughs> um but it's, it's it's essentially is that exactly or like there was that one spy party which i think is sort of similar except that was just two players it's just incredibly simplified so everything's happening from like top down on one screen so I, it's the kind of thing that like anybody could play it essentially i think um yeah they've just taken that concept and made it really really accessible um, wasn't was the cool ship kind of similar to that in a way as well? Scottish developed yep. yeah, uh, yeah, the idea, like yeah, it was sort of a more yeah. murder mystery party type thing. But yeah, like do you know what? that that's a genre that I didn't actually realise existed. But just games where you are an NPC, well, you you look like an NPC and you have to try and blend in to murder your friends. What are we going to call this yeah, like genre? The reverse Turing test. Right. <laughs> That's a perfect name for that. Yeah, anti Turing test games. There we go. We've coined <laughs> the phrase. Hmm. How about stock em up? Stock em ups. Oh, a yeah. stock em up works. Yes. Do you know I think I need to I think I need to get into games like that because they are quite a lot of fun. I love I love any sort of game where you have to like dupe your friends and stuff. Like I love a bluffing game. Uh, I think I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but over uh, at Christmas I got a mate of mine a card game called The Resistance. That's a lot of fun. And, yeah. And that, yeah, that's a bluffing game. And the last time I played it, uh, I think my girlfriend almost left me because I convinced the whole group that it was her, <laughs> that the imposter was her twice running and it was me twice running. So, um, yeah. The first time, you know, it was just, oh, it'll be funny and then she's going to, you know, get a little bit frustrated. And then the second time, like, she incriminated herself. She was going, oh, she was doing the whole, like, oh, it's obviously Ryan. It's obviously Ryan. And I was like, you seem very eager to point the finger, don't you? And then everyone was like, actually, she does. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just love those. Like, you know, they're on par with Mario Party and Mario Kart for just ruining friendships. The bit about Mario Party that ruins friendships is making your friends play Mario Party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the fact that the game can change on a dice roll, and it? it's like you know, oh, I'm winning, and I've been the be- I've been definitely the best at every mini game so far, so I deserve to have the most stars or coins. I can't remember what what, what ones what. And so yeah, I'm I deserve to be the person who wins, and then a dice roll at the end can screw you, and all your coins can go to someone else, and that's just the end. Yeah, that's it. But I think what we're learning here is that Ryan is inherently untrustworthy, and uh, you should never believe a word that comes out of his mouth. So complete and utter sociopath. Information. But then I just said I'm a sociopath, so you know, like, is that a lie? Who knows? Oh, gaslighting as well. Oh. We're getting into narcissistic tendencies now. <laughs> 
Oh, well, before I start incriminating myself, we should probably move on. Brian, what have you been doing with your time this week? Well, believe it or not, I've been going defiantly old school. It's my son, who is four and a half, has just discovered the delights of Wii Sports Bowling. So we have been bowling 10 pin and 100 pin, and he is loving it. Absolutely adoring <laughs> the game. And it has to be said, in the last couple of weeks, I've gone from deliberately having to kind of like miss shots and get a lot of guttered balls into hang on how many strikes has this kid got um you know it took his big brother at least until he was of 12 or 13 to start tanning my hide at video games but no no this seems to be a pattern uh so i'm looking forward to the point where he's uh, massacring me in uh, in mmorpgs or you know it's my my favorite first person shooters so just out of interest, everyone's got their go-to tactic that they think gets them a strike every time in Wii Sports Bowling. What's yours, Brian? Um, so to the right-hand side of the pin and then a sort of a 45-degree curl on the controller, 60% of the time it works 40% of the time. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, mine it, was always... It's a dead platform. It doesn't have to make sense. Mine's was always uh, move one click to the right and then rotate one click to the left. So you hit the, the first pin at an angle. Now, I can't tell you how well that worked, but I think everyone got in their own head and went, this is how you get a strike every time I've mastered it. What about you, Andrew? Did you have a, a go-to tactic? I think I think the, the fundamentals are the same as both of yours, which is go slightly to the right and then try and change the direction a little bit to the left i guess i guess we were all right-handed then right yeah i'd yes. imagine that's it and i imagine you'd sort of like naturally come across your body with the the wii remote instead of going straight on exactly right so yeah that's probably why so we're basically all... trying to compensate for that beforehand right and yeah i think so flick it around <laughs> you know i think the last time i went bowling which you know was probably two years ago you know thanks covid uh we i think i made a fool of myself i think i was honestly terrible and i'm not the world's best bowler like i'm not great but i think it was just everything i did was like gutter 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 and i was like how how is this happening you know <laughs> you know it got to the point that my mates are like do, do you want the wee ramp that they use for the kids is that would that help you and i'm like mm, don't don't no leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> it's well I'm looking forward to the point where he can he can try some of the other Wii games like uh, archery or maybe table tennis, and I'm actually terrified it's mm. going to be the sword fighting in the <laughs> sports resort because uh, I might not sports make resort. it to future podcast um, recordings if uh, <laughs> he's good at that as he is with bowling. Sports resort is so good. Wasn't there a paragliding mini game? I can't remember how good it was, but I think yeah, it there, was. there's 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 a flight game as well. It's the the weird thing is I worked for years and years and years in video games. And my dad just always asked me, when are you getting a real job? Um, you know, which would involve lifting things or driving a van or, you know, something practical. But it was only when we went round with the Wii and he tried bowling and golf for the first time, he went, ah, this video games thing, might be something in it. Do you so, know, it, it's funny you should mention golf, because uh, during, right. yeah, during lockdown, uh, like the first time round, I was living in a, a Wii studio student flat like it was just one big room and it was me and my girlfriend and how i convinced myself that i was outside was i turned on my wii played golf and opened the window 
and so I was like, I was getting fresh air, and I was like, because you know, I'd, I'd go for a walk in the morning, by, but by you know after lunchtime, I was like, I'm I'm bored, so I was like, I know, I'm gonna play 18 holes, you know, I don't even play golf, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a golfer, but I was like, ah, I'll, I'll be fun, and that was that became my daily routine. Excellent. When you started that anecdote and you said, I lived in a wee. Oh, I thought that was the end of the sentence. Yes. <laughs> I was yeah. like, how did you fit in the slot at the front? Yeah, it's, it, you know, you've heard the old woman that lives in the boot. Uh, <laughs> I'm the games journalist that lives in the wee. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I've got something that I'd like to recommend, actually, that I've been watching. I've only watched the first episode, and there's three out so far. Uh, I don't know if that's sort of it for season one or if it's sort of going to be like a how marvel are sort of slowly releasing their things but it's on amazon prime and it's based on one of my favorite comic books of all time i think it's incredible and it's one of those comics that i always recommend to people when they say like where should i start it's called invincible it's by robert kirkman the same guy that wrote uh, the walking dead series and it's it starts off like the first like trade paperback, the first collection is very sort of you know te- like stereotypical teenage superhero. You know, like he's in high school, he starts to develop powers. You know, but his dad's like the sort of Superman of that world, and then the story goes through twists from there. So like you know, it just sets everything up for a wee while, like you know, for a couple of issues, and then it goes into like this sort of sprawling story. But the good thing is, because it's not published by Marvel or DC, you don't need to know anything. You know, there's no pre-existing lore or anything. You can go in at issue one and just understand, you know, get it. You don't need to know that his dad once ate a sandwich, you know, and it was life-changing. You know, you don't need to. Like, it's not important. Whereas, you know, you read Marvel and... (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, uh, I had to explain uh, the other day who Uatu the Watcher was. Uh, in the in the Marvel comics, which yeah, that's that's an interesting one to be. Like, oh yeah, so there's a giant like baby on the moon who watches the Earth and kind of just keeps an eye on everything, but he can't actually interfere with anything. That's yeah, that's strange. But anyway, uh, Amazon Prime have a animated series uh, of Invincible, and it's being written by Robert Kirkman, and so like there's couple of things that are sort of fleshing out odds and ends and like changing little bits here and there but I think it's done in a way that keeps keeps me on my toes being someone that's read it but also isn't changing the fundamentals of any of any character you're not like oh that doesn't seem like something he would do or you know oh yeah that wouldn't happen or anything it's like you know and I think that's partly due to the fact that Robert Kirkman wrote it you know so the original creators on board but it's really good and like I say the sort of start of it is very sort of coming of age superhero story and so when I was watching it my girlfriend was sort of sitting there and not really paying attention you know she'd zoned out a wee bit until the end where like the end of the first episode is where you get the twist that happens at the end of the first trade and then she was like whoa okay we need to watch more of this and I was like see I've been telling people to read this for years and now they've got a uh, animated series and people are going to start listening to me now so yeah can't recommend it enough so so i think again the message we're taking out of that is pathological liar narcissistic tendencies comic book nerds oh 100 um, but also hipster because you liked it before anyone else got into it oh yeah i, I need to get my thick rim glasses <laughs> out i need to do that you know that's 
Oh wait, I think they're here. Here we go. Sorry, but this is just for us guys, but uh, thick-trimmed glasses are on. <laughs> there we go. That's the Ryan we know and love. Ah. Yeah, so... Excellent. It's about yeah. time someone discovered Robert Kirkman. You know, Walking Dead, of course. You know, he's such a quiet wee niche. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I, I think people need to understand that he does more than just Walking Dead. And yeah, it's just it's an incredible series that I've been trying to promote for years. And finally, they've went and done a show. I like. Don't get me wrong, I don't know everything about comics. I wouldn't ever claim to, because I think anyone who tells you, oh yeah, I'm a massive fan, I know everything about DC, they're massively compensating and they don't know as much as they think they do. <laughs> you know, whereas I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. Like... Is Batman's favourite sandwich peanut butter, uh, peanut butter and jelly? Okay, that's, that's good Good to know. I didn't know that. You know, like, it doesn't bother me. But, like, yeah, I think comics is such a dense thing to get into that, like, you have to you have to really want to. And they've improved that in recent years with the popularity of the movies. Like, DC have been doing a universe reboot every couple of years and it's really infuriating because it's like, well, nothing sticks anymore, but... Ah, that's that's a topic for another podcast. We need to start Ryan's <laughs> rants, and I just speak about comic books. Ryan's rants. Yeah, okay. We like I alliteration here at SGN. I think we. Oh, we do. We do. It is. If it if we can't alliterate it, it's some way. Even if if it means forcing it into unnatural positions, then we're just simply not going to cover it. It's exactly that. It's uh, at the very at the very least we'll settle for a rhyme, but alliteration mm. is just. Where we're at. Or a solid pun, as we d- as we met as we've covered earlier this week, which we'll get into in the news. As you both know, I have a minimum pun level for a week, and if you don't hit it, you're out. Yeah. That's just it. Yeah, it's 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 a nightmare, really. Like it gets stressful when the last story you're writing in a week is really serious and it's about finances or something. You're like, oh god, I've got to get five puns in here. Yep, minimum, minimum. <laughs> and it's if you can't, then you know I will accept a a particularly appropriate gif or meme. But you know, it, it's look. There's journalism and there's journalism, and then there's whatever the hell it is that we do. So you know, if you can't have fun in the games industry, you're doing it wrong. We're yeah, we're working in most people's hobby. So yeah, like have fun with it. That's why I never understand why you see like, when you see people on Twitter taking things way too seriously and starting arguments over is God of War the best PlayStation exclusive or is it Uncharted and oh you're wrong and you're an idiot and I'm like you enjoyed the game leave it alone you know like why why do you care but no someone on the internet is wrong I, I must correct this I've spoken about this quite a lot and about how you know in my free time and about how the idea of opinions has disappeared. The idea of like, oh, you've got a different opinion to me. Oh, that's quite cool. So this is uh, your favourite thing is this because of that. Or you think this about this topic because of this. It's, oh, you disagree with me. Well, then you must be an idiot and you're wrong. Yes. And you Die know, heretic. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, it's very Salem witch trials. If you're not exactly the way we are, then we're going to burn you at the stake. Mmm, stake. Oh, sorry. It's Homer it's getting into moment. barbecue weather, so you know maybe. Right. Oh, and we can meet people outside. I mean, not three households, so it's sorry, but one one of you two isn't going to get invited. But we can we can always do a wee barbecue. Just <laughs> the two of them. A wee barbecue. Was that was that actually a game? It was a peripheral. Or 
It was like a it pop a up. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> the wee barbecue. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> We're very Nintendo heavy this week. We really are. The grillion dollar game. Sorry. There, do you know what? Irrelevant. Like, we're printing money for some developer here. Like, why they're not getting on this? Who knows? Like, devs that are sort of running low on ideas, you know, they've hit a writer's block. Just listen to our show every week. We'll give you something. We can't guarantee it's going to do anything, <laughs> but we'll give you something. Yes. The dry heaves. Um, anyway, <laughs> on such matters, let us move forward to the news in, yes. the, in the hope that we might actually finish recording this podcast by the time the pubs reopen. Oh yeah, and then SGN Night Out. We've been planning it since episode one. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. We don't know when, we don't know where or how, but it will happen. Oh yeah. By Zeppelin if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that would be a hell of a memorable night out. I know, right? We could actually stage the first Zeppelin raid on Scotland since the First World War. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, we're, we've got plans. Like, it has to, we already said it has to be karaoke themed. I think it has to be a shit shirt night, just because they're always good fun. And it has to be in a Zeppelin. Do, do not go there, right? Because I'll tell you now, you're going to lose. Okay, I mean, I have a flowy lavender, yellow, white, and black striped shirt that's all, yeah, it's just awful in every way it looks like something chandler bing would wear if he was on acid yeah i, I think i got it in primark or something and i bought it when like, when i saw it i was like i need it because next time i'm going on a shit shirt night that's what i'm wearing see you've you've only known me since lockdown this the knitwear thing that's going on at the moment is not my usual mo it's ask around i it's, think I just you know I think just I say saw... the words bag low and shirt and, and you'll you'll get the... some physical reactions. I think I saw you tweet <laughs> the Paisley around... Prince. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say around um, around Christmas time you tweeted uh, a matching face mask and shirt Paisley combo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, it's did you cut job. a panel out of the back of it? Uh, out the back of that shirt to match it so you can't wear that shirt anymore to go outside? No, 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 no. It's just like one of the sleeves. So you wear oh. your sleeves rolled up. And yeah. it's 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 a bit like if you're stuck on a desert island, it's, you wouldn't start by eating your, your own head first. You know, you'd go for a leg. Yes. And, you know, work your way towards the important bits. But, uh, but no, it, it's I have a, a an entire wardrobe behind me of shirts that haven't been worn for a year now. And, uh, and, and, and I live this, okay? It's my last place of employment. <laughs> One of the guys challenged me to a shirt off and he showed up in a t-shirt with a, a hanger with a, a dry cleaning bag over it. Went into the, went into the uh, gents, changed into a Hawaiian shirt, by which I mean he put it over his t-shirt and came out and went, da-da! And I was like, mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm rocking something that frankly looked like, you know, an ethereally beautiful graveyard at particularly pink sunset with, you know, serious goth emo overtones. But I arrived in that and I wore it all day and I had worn it, you know, a couple of weeks prior. This is this is a 24-7 style thing. You know, it don't yeah, be, don't, don't be lulled by the sort of the dad kind of look that you see on the podcasts because this is not the sort of the icy James Bond-like demeanor that I exude, pretty much every time I leave the I, I leave the house 
for business purposes. Well, there we go. I, well, I think now we need to make it a shit shirt night. So it's a shit shirt night with a karaoke theme on a Zeppelin. I think we're going to burn through the annual budget with this one night out, lads, but screw it, let's give it a go. <laughs> That's okay. We, we have plans for this. We have plans. We could be sitting on a little gold mine here. But uh, again, more of that later. Yes, and the billion dollar idea is definitely the wee grill peripheral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in time. Oh well, all right, let's get into the news because I think we're about half hour in now and we haven't even started, so um, I think we're going to have to fly through this. But first of all, uh, I don't know if we covered this last week, I think we ran out of time, but we wrote a story, I think it went up on Friday of last week, about the Rock Trust and their Gaming for Good initiative. Now, if you're listening to this on the day it went up, that'll be the 3rd of April. It started yesterday, but as far as I'm aware, you've still got time to sign up. Um, essentially, if you caught us covering the gaming uh, gaming against the hostile environment thing in November time last year, it's a little bit like that. It's a streamathon. You can sign up and you want to stream yourself playing video games and you know you'll be given a a goal of like how much money to raise or like you know to try and raise and there's some sort of big names on it. i think Perry and flax and stuff are all involved so it's it's quite it's quite a big thing you know and it's raising money for a youth homeless charity within scotland so you know it's it's well worth looking into so if you do streaming however frequently it might be worth looking into and you know getting involved in some way yeah, and if you've never tried streaming before, this is your chance to do it and do it for a good cause. Um, they're not looking for diehard professionals. They're not looking for people who have got their own following and their own merchandise on Twitch or YouTube. They're looking for anybody who plays games, anybody who has something that they, they, they want to share um, to get out there. And it doesn't have to be a live stream. You know, you can record something and stick it up afterwards, play with friends, do a let's play, do something like this, talk about video games. Just get something out there, get it in front of people who play games and try and help raise money for young people in really serious situations who are under threat for, from homelessness or, you know, have nowhere to call home. Um, so it's in, for an incredibly good cause. Uh, they're really, really nice people. And um, yeah, You've got until the 16th of April to join in and see if you can do your bit to make some people's lives that little bit easier, a little bit more secure. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so links to the article that we mentioned that, which sort of gives you an overview of everything that you need to know, as well as links to the sign-up page and the Rock Trust's website will all be in the show notes if you're interested. You know, it's definitely worth having a wee look into. And the wee look sure. isn't another peripheral, just, just to let you know. <laughs> I was going to ask, we were saying that it's kind of like a good entryway to people that have not streamed before. So Ryan, you've been doing our streams on SGN for the last couple of weeks. Do you have any any tips for first-time streamers? I, I think the th thing that some people think when they start doing streaming is, oh, it's going to be easier than a Let's Play because I don't need to edit it. And that is very true, you don't have to edit it, but you have to cope with something that uh, people on radio would call dead air. So you've got to try and sort of compensate for the fact that you're going to have to be talking regularly and if it is your first few times streaming there's not going to be that many people there you know you can invite your friends and family along 
but your average live stream will last, what, two, three hours, roughly? We try to keep them a wee bit shorter here and just try to sort of have a nice wee day, like, sort of stream to wrap up your Monday. But, yeah, if you're going to be streaming for two, three hours, the chances are your average, like, you know, your friends might stick around for the majority of it, but most people all sort of come and go. So, you know, there will be times where the Mm -hmm. chat is just dead. So... If you want, have a couple of conversation topics, like, you know, post-it notes, just stick them on your desk or whatever, just have, like, something that I'll lead into that, I'll talk about that, and, yeah, I I think also don't be too afraid of making a fool of yourself, like, you know, people are very considering, and they, like, they they don't, I don't think they judge people too hard when they know it's your first stream. If you, if, if you join a stream and someone's quiet for long periods of time or they're stuttering and they're clearly nervous it's not something you tend to judge them for or at least i i haven't found anything like that so if you do find yourself stuttering sometimes the best thing to do is just take a deep breath and just keep going like when i first started doing chatting in the way it is now i never really done any piece to camera stuff other than for you know work within uni and I think a lot of the time when I was trying to like read through a script or try to like get something out, you I'd get frustrated with myself, and it was because I was just talking at my normal rate. And you're since your brain's getting a wee bit flustered because you're getting nervous, you stumble over yourself. Sometimes just slowing the rate of the w- at which you speak down, just like I've just done now, it can kind of help. And people that don't know you don't realise it, you know. So I, I'm gonna stop doing that because. I'm from Aberdeen and we all speak really fast because it's cold up here and we need to get inside as quickly as possible. So if you bump into someone in the street, they're like, uh, yeah, see you later. Uh, but yeah, don't worry about doing things like that. And also background music. If you can get background music, that helps with dead silence, as well, dead t- uh, air time as well. Just, you know, put that in and then people don't notice if you're, or even if they do notice, they're not as bothered by it because there's something to listen to you know good advice good advice very very good advice right maybe we should do a streaming episode at some point see if we can encourage others and you know our own efforts i would really like to do something to help the rock trust so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls everyone out there in listening land what would you like us to do what would you like to see your sgn team do to help support the rock trust would it be uh, a whole afternoon or evening of interviews with people from across the industry? Would it be um, an extended version of Ryan's Let's Play? Would it be playing games created by Scottish game developers? Write in, phone in, skywrite, send us a pigeon, let us know what you would like to see and we will try to make something happen and raise some money to help people um, who find themselves in a really rough situation. Yeah, uh, like I said, links to everything will be in the, the show notes and let us know in, on yeah, Twitter or our Facebook group or our Discord server, link to that can be in the description as well, uh, what you want to see us do because that would be really cool and I'm so down to do something a wee bit stupid because as you know, if you've watched the YouTube channel or, you know, listen to these podcasts before, I don't mind making a wee bit of a fool of myself. So anyway, <laughs> the next story we covered this week, or the first story we covered this week, because that was from the end of last week, is the Games Master book is got a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Who was, I think that was you, Andrew, wasn't it, that covered that? This was, this was me, yes, indeed, indeed. This, this is great. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't uh, have much of a history with Games Master myself, but I'm, I just... I just absolutely love everything about this Kickstarter. So, I mean, basically, it's uh, it, it's 
called Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter Games Master The Oral History. And it's uh, just, just a kind of a history of the program from the people that made it or from guests who were on the program. We should say, actually, in case you don't know, Games Master was a game show, a kind of games magazine program on Channel 4 in the 90s, hosted by from Arbroath, Dominic Diamond, and also starring Patrick Moore as this uh, kind of sort of unnerving school mastery type uh, games challenge giver. And essentially, they would have kids come on and do these kind of challenges. And then, you know, they'd have celebrities and stuff as well. So this book is collecting everything about kind of the history of the program, what went into making it, like some anecdotes from kids that are now grown up and what they felt about it. And they've got celebrity quotes as well. Like one of the guests was Robbie Williams. So they've got Robbie Williams talking about it, various things. Um, so there's all that kind of fun stuff, but the book is made by Read Only Memory, who is a publisher in London of games books, and they have made some absolutely fantastic games books. Uh, there was one from maybe a year ago or two years ago on uh, Final Fantasy VII on the making of that, where you know they interviewed people from all across the dev team, people on the publishing side, like basically such a like huge in-depth insight into the making of you know, one of the most important games th that there is. And it's just something that you don't really see that often, right? And I guess with it being a Kickstarter, with it being a crowdfunded thing, it lets you do these kind of lavish productions. And this Game Master thing is exactly that. It's like such a niche subject that only a few hundred people care about probably. But um, because it's been done through this Kickstarter, they can make it this like beautiful, like really well-designed hardback uh, that, you know, is something that you'd be like, you know, pretty, pretty cool to have around. Um, but the thing that's really <laughs> funny about it is the reward tiers. They've gone a bit nuts with the reward tiers. So from what I uh, gather uh, from the clips of the show I've seen and, and other stuff about him in general. Dominic Diamond is a bit of a character, shall we say? <laughs> I mean, I guess Brian, you, you would you would be able to explain more about that than I, than I can. Not until he... one of us dies, because the NDAs okay. are binding. <laughs> write it in the write okay. it in the Zoom chat, and then I'll read it. And it wasn't you, it's Sarah, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, essentially, two of the reward tiers offer like one-on-one -on -one date situations with Dominic Diamond. And the second most one is uh, going and visiting one of the old studios and hanging about and he promises that you can smoke a cigarette with him. I don't know if you have to, if you don't smoke, <laughs> maybe he forces it upon you, I don't know. Um, Grabs you by the cheeks. You do that with him and then... cigarette in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, and then uh, it ends with uh, you going to the racetrack and him putting on a bet for you. So that's that's the first day. So you could make your money back <laughs> but from the, 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 the funding. Potentially. I, well, that's the thing is they don't really explain whether you get to keep the winnings or not. Or, or, it's maybe just the just the honor of having Dominic Diamond put on a bet for you. But the second one, there's no coming back from this one. It's getting a tattoo alongside Dominic Diamond at the tattoo parlor of Dave Perry, who was a briefly a co-host also on Games Master who kind of controversially walked off at some point. So um, it's supposed to be as the role of the, the Grand Pooba of Kickstarter backers, you get to play Peacekeeper and bring Dominic and Dave back together after all these years. And 
enshrine their newfound friendship in a tattoo. I have no idea whether Dave Perry has agreed to this happening or not. <laughs> doesn't told make that yet. clear. It just says you're going to the tattoo parlor, whether you like it or not. I think if any you, of this could be yours. <laughs> I think if you decide to get the tattoo, then considering Dave Perry walked off, I think what you need is you know the man from a fire exit sign. Yeah, that's what you want as your, your matching tattoo. That's not a bad move given some of the alternatives. <laughs> I tried true. to keep it PG. Too true. <laughs> but but do you, do you know that, as someone who was uh, more conscious at the time, shall we say, Ryan, did you have any of the, like, what exactly why, why it was that Dave Perry walked off? Do you know anything about that story? Yeah, it, so it's, um, it's a sad tale. They were, they were deliberately a little bit provo provocative. Um, Dave was a bit of an egomaniac. He was known as the game's animal. And uh, yeah, he got a bit cocky and Dominic was a bit cheeky. And um, yeah, he took the massive hump and, and buggered off. So it made for great television. You know, it was the talk of DMA design at, at the time. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it seems an odd thing to keep a grudge going about over, you know, 20 seven odd years but i'm glad that you know a book can bring them back together the healing power of literature ladies and gentlemen you know it's a truly That's wonderful it. thing and ignore the fact that we're biased because we're you know journalists of course <laughs> games journalists but, um, right. so, so, oh sorry <laughs> and but yeah so those two tiers are uh, i think that the actual book has already been funded so um th th that's that's definitely happening but those two tiers i think for the the date where you smoke the cigarette and go and bet on the horse there was two of those available and the last time i checked only one was left and uh that that cost 1500 pounds by the way and the tattoo date cost 5000 pounds so um that that space is still open so if that's you you've only got a little bit of time before someone else snaps it up if you've got five grand to spare and you're a massive fan of dominic diamond games master or both then uh there you go, that's what you want to spend your money on. Oh, you've got a small patch of skin that is in need of some um, ink and you're looking for a reason to fill it in. Hey, maybe you can even turn it into a, a non-fungible to non token and uh, you know, make your money back by selling off that piece of your skin to some random person on the internet. We're not telling you how to live your lives, ladies and gentlemen. All we're saying is exercise your options with caution. Can I suggest that another tattoo option, if you do decide to go for that after listening to this, I suggest either the Fire Exit Man, because I think that's funny, or the SGN logo with our um, with our link to our Anchor and Spotify and YouTube and everything <laughs> below it. That would be fantastic. It's a QR code. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that people do that with a... There's a thing like music tattoos now, where you can get like a sound wave tattooed on you and mm -hmm. if you sort of like scan the transformer. it <laughs> no not like the transformer like an actual sound wave like you know uh, okay an audio wave and you, if you took if you scan it it'll open spotify to the song that you've got the sound wave of so i mean if you want just the sound wave of this podcast you know tattoo it across yourself and then people can scan it to find us on spotify what's music marketing come to these days yeah like I, I get liking a song, but I don't think I'd become a walking advertisement for it. Look, there is a long and shameful history of video games um, offering tattoos or offering people free games if they got tattoos. And frankly, gentlemen, we are not going there. Right? It was... There was... Turok did it, and I think... Um, Mirror, I was, uh, Mirror Shades, Mirror Man or something. 
there have been a few campaigns where it's like games marketing people clearly whacked out of their brains on far too much free red wine and cocaine at lunchtimes have thought it was a brilliant idea to uh, get players tattooed and it never ends well. There was also one which featured a, a, a gravestone, but I don't remember that because of the red wine and cocaine, uh. obviously, um, or possibly just the lunch. But um, yeah, let, let's... Well, yeah, okay, don't get the SGN. Walk ourselves gently back from permanently altering, you know, the, the, the features and skin of our listeners, and we'll maybe work towards that for a Christmas special. Yes. I do always find it funny when you see that in the news, like, you know, different sort of ways in which some people have come to owning video games. Like, there was that guy who pre-ordered Fallout 4 using bottle caps. He saved up bottle mm. caps from in between Fallout 3 and Fallout, you know, anytime he found one, he kept it, or anytime he opened a bottle, he kept it. And, yeah, he saved them up from in between Fallout 3 and 4, and when they announced 4, he uh, shipped it to Bethesda's shoot like hq and was like hey can i pre-order fallout with this and they thought it was as funny that they give him like the the special edition with the pit boy and everything so that was that was quite cool they're i think they're kind of notorious for i think i think there's a 10 year old out there called dovahkeen right there was some skyrim campaign where it was like name your child yeah oh i'm sure that kid loves his parents like there is there's not going to be any sort of family trouble down the line at any point there's a very large thick three volume compendium of you know coffee table book called stupid ideas in video games marketing that should be kickstarted um going all the way back to battle cruiser 2000 and if you have to ask you weren't there and if you have to google it please be careful nsfw Right. Okay, then. <laughs> I was only to go search oh, actually, it Actually, that brings but... it full circle because it featured it featured the page three girl Joe Guest, who oddly enough was a big friend of Dominic Diamonds. Well, there, there we go. Where the circle? <laughs> well, I think since we've wrapped that up in a nice wee bow, why don't we move on to our next story, which was Transfuser Enterprise Pathway Applications Open. Yeah, this is this was one of mine, and this is a great story. If you are a student, a graduate, um, if you're studying video games anywhere across the UK, this is for you. Transfuser is the uh, summer games competition offered by the UK Games Fund, and it takes uh, teams of graduates and allows you to build a game and will fund you to build a game and there are three different pathways it's there's one for individuals this is this is the one for teams but it's focused on helping you not only build a game but build a sustainable business and this is something that we're sadly lacking far too many of the teams that emerge from universities and far too many of the the new game studios that uh, emerge onto the, the the scene just don't last long enough to get to game number two and game number one doesn't do enough to keep them going. So this is a great thing, and it's open to absolutely every graduate who's out there. You don't necessarily have to come through a games course. If you've done computer science, if you've done production, anything related, then you can actually enter this. Um, there's five grand to make the game, and then you get to go on and actually bid for, uh, or pitch for another 20K, which will get you to the point where you've got a minimum viable product that you can go and then in turn pitch to publishers. But alongside the funding, there's also a lot of business support. There's also a lot of education in and around how to build a company, which again, 
is something that's really fundamentally missing from a lot of the, the games courses out there. So cannot be recommended highly enough. Um, it comes with so many benefits. There are so many companies out there that have gone through this and it's really been the, the Kickstarter for them to, to um, become a proper sort of full-time game studio. So yeah, if you're not eligible this year, go and take a look figure it out for next year it's going to be around and about for a while but the applications are open so get them in and uh, if you are entering let us know because as you know we will write about any of the games coming out of scotland whether you're an individual a part-time developer an amateur a student team we want to hear about your games so if you are out there you are building something um keep us in the loop because this whole promotion thing is a very good idea yeah, we, like going back to the sort of business skills thing you were saying there, uh, that kind of reminds me a little bit of, I think it was Yo-Yo Games we did a case study of last week. And you spoke about how when they first started, they like they didn't know anything about the business side of things. And they they went and learned and they went, like, you know, they had to sort of learn, you know, how to set ah, up a payroll. Was it was hyperluminal, yeah. not Yo-Yo, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah mm. and they, like, they had to work out what, go and sort of study up on what, you know, payrolls are and how to set them up mm-hmm. and pension schemes and all the things you don't think about but you need to do as part of a business so yeah it's well worth doing just for that you know if that's what you want to do if you want to go leave uni and start your games company then yeah like you need to know that too like the part of the having a games business is that second word it's business you know you need to know you know business technique and stuff either that or have someone in your team who does and if there's a th- a, an opportunity like this to do it in a sort of more open way where you're being funded to make a game at the same time then hell of an opportunity if somebody is going to pay you to learn how to do this professionally take it oh yeah 100 percent. like it's something that we speak about quite a lot you know here at sgn and sort of like business skills within games and stuff like that and just the the things that aren't game development that go into game development is almost as important as or maybe even equally as important as the game itself because like you say you know if you don't have that business skills you might not be around for game number two you might have shown promise but you know would assassin's creed be the thing it, it is today or the franchise it is today if ubisoft closed after number one well no one would have picked it up would they because they went oh like it was kind of fun but it wasn't anything they didn't you know set the world on fire so no if you plan to make video games for your livelihood you need to be able to sell them and talk about them and enthuse about them and support them and figure out what your players want and and use data and analytics and if you don't want to do that you at least need to be aware enough to know that you need somebody else to do that and that could be a publisher or it could be people that you bring on to your company or it could be that if you just don't want to deal with that you just want to go out and get a job as an X, where X is programmer, artist, animator, producer, whatever it happens to be. But the reality is, if you are planning on creating and publishing your own game, you're going to have to do this, guys. And moving from starting a successful business within the games industry to a successful business within the games industry, this week we had did a case study with Unity, and I think, Brian, this was yours. It was indeed, it was indeed. This is another one of the the series of case studies that we've done in and around the Dundee Video Games Cluster with our friends at InGame. And uh, this one looked at Unity Technologies, um, 
but it's only Unity Technologies because it was originally a company called Chili Connect. And Chili Connect was a technology startup that was spun out of Tag Games. Now, Tag is the company behind a, an awful lot of branded video games. It's, they've done Downton Abbey, they've done Doctor Who, they've done um, Heroes of Might and Magic, they've done um, Pocket Mortys from Rick and Morty. So, you know, some really well-known franchises. But over the course of building all of these games, they, they realised that they needed tools to, to go and actually run these games as live services and so they started building a suite of tools and and quite quickly realized that actually a lot of developers need this um, and so they, they they spun this suite of tools out into a company called Chili Connect who did live ops or live operations which is exactly when you run a live game you know and it can go as big as Rocket League League of Legends any of the you know the big massive MMOs all the way through to the to the mobile games, the casual, social, and online side of things, where it's not just a product come and play some levels, but it's updated. You have offers going on. You have multiplayer competitions. They provided this package of software tools for every developer, and it was so good that not only did they raise funding from a venture capital firm, um, which is no mean feat in itself. But within a few months after that, uh, the company got snapped up by Unity to integrate into their, you know, world-leading, the world's most popular games platform. So it's no longer just about game creation. It's now about game deployment and live ops. So it's a great piece. It's a really interesting story. And it's another fantastic example of where Scotland's video games tech companies are really pioneering and excelling. And it's thanks to companies like Chili Connect Delta DNA in Edinburgh, both of whom were acquired by Unity, or, or indeed CloudGen in Edinburgh, who were snapped up by Epic. So Scotland now has both Unity and the Unreal Engine with locations in the country. So it's a, it's a really, really interesting case study. So if you've not had a chance to read it yet, we would urge you to go and do so because, um, yeah, it'll make you realise that as a country we're capable of almost anything. Do you know, thinking of Unity, we, are, we mentioned... Uh, that sort of service in another story this week. We mentioned the Unity Asset Store, admittedly only in passing, but that was due to our April Fools post that we did in collaboration with our good friend Ali Lowe of Low Tech Games. If you follow him on TikTok, then you'll know that he's been working on an automated sort of cross-stitch animation tool, live, sort of like, you know, like real life thing. And it's just, it's insane and really cool. And the last time we'd seen him, he'd done a 2x2. Two two, and according to his TikTok this morning, which he was good enough to let us in on so we could write an article on it to promote it, he supposedly made a series of, sort of like, he used an Arduino Mega and a series of other IO sort of extenders in order to make Doom playable on this new tech. Now, he's since, you know, admitted, yeah, this was a bit of a joke. After it got well over 56,000 views and Bethesda had shared it themselves and it got a wee bit mad. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it was great fun to be part of. And thank you very much, Ali, for letting us in on it. And yeah, hats off to you for coming up with it and being like, yeah, I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah. Doom's now on this fun little animation tool I mentioned. It's the, it's the best kind of April Fool's joke because number one, most of it's actually real. 
<laughs> like the fact that the fact that he's made uh you know he's 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 made a way of displaying things through cross stitch digital things through cross stitch that's the bit like already sounds like an april fool's joke and it's like totally legit so so that part of it is fun but then also the fact that the fact that he has a reputation for being able to do those kind of things anyway that people are like yeah of course you poured doom to your your tapestry yeah <laughs> that whatever. makes like, sense that's exactly the kind of thing you would do right. yeah, yeah. Well, like, no, it was, yeah. it was mad and the amount like just seeing it throughout the day like most of my work today air quotes work today has been sitting on twitter and going oh someone else has shared it someone else is talking about it and the amount of people that have been like oh like, you know given the date anyone else if anyone else had said this Nah, not true. But Ali, I think it, you know. I I can see it. I can see it being true, and it's just it's been a lot of fun to see. This is it. When when you come to when you come to somebody who is building games for the original Nintendo Entertainment System and Dreamcast and 3D printing cartridges, you wouldn't put it past him. No, you know it's there's there's a particular kind of mindset. There's a particular kind of lo-fi approach, and and you know. Let's be honest, Ali's just bursting with creativity. He's got some really cool stuff going on. And um, yeah, it was far, far too good not to share. Plus, when you see some of the other platforms that Doom has been ported to, it's not a million miles from, you know... Yeah, going back to Bethesda sharing it, I think they mentioned in their tweet, Pregnancy Test is something it's on. I swear, I'm gonna oh, go. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was. It was ported to a digital pregnancy test at some point. Yeah. So I mean, people do love, you know, move. Uh, yeah, port and doom onto weird and wonderful platforms. So it was, it was believable. And we mentioned that in, in the article where we've got a quote from from Ali, and he says, you know, like, well, I knew that people like when they knew I could do this would ask for doom. It's like one of the first things. That's why I did doom. And, yeah, like, in his follow-up TikTok, he showed you how he did it. All right, like, he alluded to how he did it. And Ali not only is doing a physical cross-stitch animation uh, thing, but he's also working on, uh, like, a digital animation tool so you can, you know, make things look like they're being animated in cross-stitch that way as well. And so he just made Doom in that. I say just as if I could do it. As if I, like, as if, you know, I would have been able to do that with, you know, a month of Sundays. Like, never. But, you know, to Ali, it's, oh yeah, I just did that. Because his brain works like that, I suppose. But it's, it is mad. And it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, another friend of the show, Lucy Holland, got in touch over Twitter and was saying that, oh, we got her. And 100% is down to Ali's performance. And that, TikTok. It's just, it's so good. It's so brilliant. Yeah, for sure. So, (laughs) in that same article, I mentioned Dyslectic because I thought, let's not waste people's time too much by telling them about something that isn't actually happening. I mean, then again, we write about video games, we write about fiction all the time. So, I mean, I guess we're always talking about things that aren't actually happening. But with this, Ali has submitted his Dyslectic to the Unity Asset Store, so fingers crossed it'll be up by next week, but it'll be, it should be coming to the Unity Asset Store very soon, and he spoke about that in our interview with him before the Playaway Festival over on the YouTube channel and our podcasting platforms, but essentially the idea is he's created this tool that creates a bunch of accessibility options for people with dyslexia, for gamers with dyslexia that 
essentially what you can do is you can have text to speech but to make sure the file's lightweight and means that it doesn't add loads of you know storage space to your uh, your game's download it just utilizes your pc's onboard text to speech function so it means that if you do use that in a day in day out basis which i'm pretty sure ali does if you have a preferred sort of voice or whatever that you've downloaded to use or whatever then you can have that so that's all that's really cool and it also provides systems like you can pause a game at any point so like if there's if there's a quick flash out of text they can you know like players can pause it and see what that says and then go back to the action the sort of big thing we spoke about was you know the telltale games and how there's a timer for your decisions and you get to read four different decisions within the however long it gives you having this kind of helps people who who have difficulty reading you know in general like it doesn't just have to be if you're dyslexic but it's sort of aimed at that and yeah it's just it's it's a tremendous wee tool and once it goes up on the unity asset store you can just take the files drop them into your game files and it's it's done essentially you know so it's it's making your game more accessible without having to worry about researching it yourself and doing things you know implementing these features on your own it's really important you know accessibility is is the future why would you exclude people from playing your game um just because they have dyslexia or they have another issue that means that your your normal approach to a, you know a text heavy user interface um is is designed for um you know people who don't have these issues and the last of us 2 seems to have really set a new benchmark in terms of accessibility and our hats have to go off to Ali because it's not just the fact that he's developing his own games his own quirky particular style with fleas and tapeworms and you know Nintendo entertainment systems and so on it's the fact that he's he's out there he's trying to make things better for people and and make it easier for developers to cater for folk who have dyslexia so it's it's a great story and we wish him the best and obviously we'll shout about it and share it and try and point people towards it as uh, as widely as we possibly can. Yeah, um, speaking of, you know, sort of dyslexic players playing games that are quite text-heavy, I, before, you know, the success of the Scottish Games Network podcast, I ran a very short-lived podcast in which we decided to play some sort of text-based games and stuff because we thought that'd be quite fun for a an audio format, but the way that we were set up, I was the one that had the the game in front of me, not my co-host. And being dyslexic, that created its own issues. And the first thing we decided to do was play classic text adventure Zork. And if you want to see how difficult it is for a dyslexic player to play a game that is just all text, or primarily text, then I guess I can link that video in the show notes, and you can see that. And it is, it's it's atrocious. I'm stumbling over every other word and stuff. And yeah, like, it's not great, but then we had a lot of fun recording it. So I put it up anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's there. I'll put it in the show notes if you guys are interested in seeing an example and seeing why that's important. Absolutely. Let's let's illustrate the issue. Let's show people what the, the problem is. And we're always happy to share more Ryan. Oh yeah, of course. You know, like we will not stop until my face is on every website on the internet. Actually, no, not every website. I've just thought of the horrible repercussions of that <laughs> on on most web. No, not most. Still not most. Uh, 
on every gaming site or games related site on the internet that's still probably going to come up with some seedy stuff uh-huh. do you know what i'm going to stop talking now uh you guys could just you know host the podcast and just give me a shout when i have to stop recording <laughs> it's i think we'll take you in the spirit with which it was meant we'll, we'll stick you on all of the relevant sites and actually share you with the world in the same way that ryan from ryan's world on youtube has now got his own range of merchandise in asda it won't be long before our very own Ryan Duff has his own range of merchandise in Asda. So that leads us into what happened yesterday on the channel, YouTube channel. If you are again listening to this at the time of recording, we uploaded an interview with Eltonen, the community manager slash communications person for Team Junkfish, the guys behind... Monstrum, Attack of the Earthlings, and most recently Monstrum 2. Now, Andrew, it was you and I that sort of took this interview. Do you want to tell us your personal highlights? Personal highlights? Uh, I mean, there was there was a lot of... Uh, I mean, I enjoyed the cats, for one. We got some cat content. But I would say um, I, I basically just how learning about how involved the community is in the making of Monstrum 2 and like how quickly you know this game is in it's it's you know still being developed how how involving the community and picking like I kind of Elton then told us about um how she picked like a a sort of like crack team of the the best or, or the most trusted advisors from the community and then like kind of involving them in the production I think it was like eight of them and I think that that for me was the most enjoyable part is is kind of demystifying, you know, what it is that a community a community manager does, and it's not just, you know, posting things on social media and keeping the kind of online presence in check. It's really involving your community as part of the team, essentially. Al also told um, us, and that kind of like interpersonal thing. Yeah, Al also told us about how like that sort of social media side of things that you think of when you think of a community manager isn't really it's a misconception it's not really their job it's something that they're normally given because it kind of ties into community because that's the type of people that will be responding to your your tweets and your posts on facebook and all that but really that's more the job of a social media manager a community manager deals with more the sort of like yeah your discords as well as like you know speaking to press and stuff it's 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 quite interesting uh, to see what they do and it it i don't know if it's not a job that we speak about too often if i'm honest despite it's one that's very public facing considering you know they have to speak to the community yeah look if you go back even just a few years guys then what you have to realize is that when you're when you were building a community it's you built it on your website you know this was before social media really took off so you would have a forum on your website or you would have a whole series of pages and the goal was to get everybody onto your domain into your website because <coughs> that was yours and that was where they could all participate and you could talk to them and you you got a sense of what they were all doing but then of course social media came along and absolutely blew this away so now instead of having a single community you've got a distributed community which can be taking place on discord and facebook and linkedin and reddit and you know twitter and instagram and all of the many you know different channels out there we're starting to see this ourselves um you know the the website is still the hub of the scottish games network but the facebook group is really really active it's the linkedin um 
group less so twitter is awesome instagram we're still trying to get to grips with and ryan you've done an absolutely blown away by the job that you've done with um youtube and discord so there's a huge amount of outreach there's a huge amount of of um connection and engagement going on out there that, that's happening under this kind of the the term community that is really fundamental to this whole issue of sustainability if you're you know we, we talked about live ops earlier with chili connect and unity um but your community manager or community team are absolutely key to this if your players aren't happy you need to know and if you're not paying attention to them you're not looking at your data you're not listening to the community folks you're not going to find out until they all just vanish into thin air well we were speaking to uh, malcolm from earthbound games earlier in the week that should go up next week at some point on the channel and he was saying that before before in about 2019 a few years ago in 2019 he had a couple of very good community managers and they're kind of sorely missed now because they're not there and the team's really going for trying to make axiom soccer a big thing again and they're really going full steam ahead with it and yeah they're they're sorely missed and it shows you just how how important community managers can be that you know like yeah this this studio head saying like yeah we you know we need people like that and they were so so helpful the first time round, you know but it's a specialist role you know let's be honest we don't have an awful lot of people in the the game sector who are really good at communicating or really enjoy communicating um and we have a lot of people who who just want to get on and do their own thing and it's not necessarily a, a social um element and i think this is why it's conflated with social media so often i mean social media is the channel but uh, social media people tend to be marketers your community takes into account um user support it takes into account technology support it takes into account customer service of pretty much every description and just being outgoing and chatty and welcoming and making people feel like they matter you know that's probably the worst thing about a video game is if you, you get the sense that you that nobody cares whether you're there or not or whether you're enjoying it or not um so a community manager is a really really significant part of the team and it was really illustrative of the way that games has grown beyond the you know the 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 traditional roles programmer and artist and you now need so many more people with so many different skills not necessarily the technical skills but the soft skills people skills social skills in order to be able to build that engagement so it was it was fantastic to have um elton involved and and to really hear more about how junkfish has approached um using their players because if you've got hardcore fans, you've got hardcore players out there who love what you do, then, yeah, you know, taking their opinion on board and, again, making them feel involved is a very, very smart move. Well, just right, slightly off topic here, but I'm, I'm very good at doing that. So we're going to just take that on the chin. Uh, I don't, th- I know for a fact, I definitely would not follow Looney Tunes on Instagram if it wasn't for the guy that does that. Because he's just like he's brilliant, if I'm honest, and I think that's re- like it's really good to build. Well, not build, like Looney Tunes doesn't need to build a brand, but it's really good to sort of foster a community through your sort of socials or through sort of community outreach and stuff. And like, it, I, like yeah, on 
the Looney Tunes Instagram, there's constantly like jokes and funny things going on and stuff, and the guy's just making fun of the fact that his job is he posts the f- Instagram for Bugs Bunny, you know, and it's it's really enjoyable. But then that's an incredible marketing tool at the same time because as soon as like the like the Space Jam movie that's meant to be coming out, I think it's later this year, was sort of started filming and stuff, he was posting about it. And then all of a sudden, instead of just maybe catching, you know, a poster on the side of a bus or something, or like an ad before a YouTube video, I've been really hyped about the new Looney Tunes movie for ages, and it's because of this guy, if I'm honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I definitely went and watched Space Jam too, but that's mainly for nostalgia reasons. But yeah, I think it's so important to have a good community hook and something that gets people talking. Not only with people on other people on the internet about you know the uh, the game or the movie or the whatever you're doing but also get them talking to their friends about it you know like oh yeah no you oh you like horror games well you need to play monstrum and you know what if you like monstrum i'm part of this amazing discord server you need to join it like it's so friendly and open and we all have a great time and you know like it not only is it, you know, brilliant in the sort of friendly sense, it's also good for business. It's incredibly good for business, just in terms of the being invested in something, especially that's not, when when the game comes out, right, you need, already need that kind of support and knowing that there that there's kind of, if it's a multiplayer thing, knowing that um, there's kind of documentation and like wikis and all this kind of stuff you want that ready for a launch right so that you're kind of launching with some momentum so it's like absolutely essential i think oh yeah 100 percent. and i think if you want to know anything else about junkfish or monster 2 or community management in general it's definitely worth checking out our interview with elton and it should have been live as of yesterday morning so definitely check it out it should be like i think you'll have a lot of fun we had a lot of fun filming it and i got to find out about um a lot of things in terms of the fan art that they get including their flagship character the monster the brute in a maid costume and you can see a picture of that in the video so if you watch the youtube version as opposed to the the version on our podcasting platforms that'll appear on screen at some point just to keep you on your toes and a nice counterpoint to last week's josh holloway um shout out yes i i had i had too much fun filming that like doing that like i told you guys that because i edit in premiere pro i don't have like set animation tools or if I do, I don't know how to use them because Premiere Pro is like, I have this tiny wee square of it that I know how to use and that's like the razor blade tool, the move tool, and that's about it. And so, I, like, yeah, when it came to uh, making him cartwheel on the screen in a really sort of early 2000s PowerPoint kind of way because I thought it would be fun to make it cheesy, I had to, uh, yeah, keyframe it and sort of say, like, from here to here, like... I want you to move at this time and I also want you to be rotating 360 degrees as you do it. It was great fun. Oh man, that's a lot of effort for a cheap throwaway gag about a shirtless hunk. Yeah, yeah, but it was good fun nonetheless. (laughs) Well, I like to think we have something to offer everybody who tunes into our podcast. That's it. Uh, But that's that's great, gentlemen. Another great week. Thank you so much. Um, We just have time, I think, for our spotlight. So, Ryan... 
Yes. Who's under it, the spotlight this week? Well, leading in from our interview with L, I thought it would be best to highlight Monstrum 2. It's in early access right now. It's being continuously updated. And speaking of updates, the, um, the latest one uh, landed not too too long ago. So you'll definitely have something else to go back to if you've not if you picked it up at launch and haven't played it since. So. Yeah, Monstrum 2, it's great. I love Monstrum 1. I think it's a brilliant idea, that sort of like roguelike horror. I haven't got round to playing much of Monstrum 2 yet, so I'm definitely going to take my own advice this week and play it over the weekend. Either that or I'll just go back to the Hiramasu and play Monstrum 1, but who knows? Like, depends on how much time I've got, because, you know, I might not have time to learn the mechanics of a new game, but if you do, then definitely pick up Monstrum 2. I've heard some good things. An asymmetric, roguelike, procedurally generated survival horror game. Who could possibly resist? Well, that's it. And if you've liked games like Friday the 13th or Dead by Daylight uh, in recent years, then this is definitely like in the same vein in the sense that, yeah, like the horror monster is controlled by a player, and so, and then so are the survivors, and each per- person has to do different jobs. Even if you've like just gotten into gaming recently and you've like started playing Among Us with your friends, it's kind of similar to that in the sense that everyone who's not the the killer is kind of needing to achieve jobs and achieve tasks to try and escape, while the other player is doing horrible, horrible things to their friends. And you know. It's, it's just a lot of fun, and we spoke about how the visual design of it's quite different as well. Like, you know, the reason that Monstrum 1 looked the way it did was because there was an overabundance of creepy old houses and abandoned insane, asy- insane asylums in horror in the sort of early 2010s, and they wanted to do something different. So they've went with that sort of Lovecraftian sea horror kind of thing, and it just looks incredible. So yeah, like just even if you're a fan of horror and you just want something that doesn't look the same as this, uh, the Amnesia Monster, check it out. Lovely, thank you very much indeed, Ryan. Sterling job as always. Oh, working with a professional here, guys. Working with a professional now. Just pretend that Monday's stream <laughs> like, never happened. <laughs> hang on, is this like Among Us? Is this like Among Us? Have we got to decide which one of us is the professional? Is that it? Yes. Do you know what? No, it's up to you guys in the comments. Yes, engaging in activity. Uh, yes, please let us know which one you think is the professional in the comments below or on our social media. We are at Scottish Games on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us at Scottish Games on Facebook as well. It's, it's almost like I planned that. There we go. Well, thank you very much for watching, guys. As always, we've been your hosts. I've been Ryan. I've been Brian. And I've been Andrew. And you've been awesome. Thank you ever so much for watching slash listening, and we shall see you next time. Thanks, folks. Bye. <laughs>